0: Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by rockauto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome, everyone, to MotorWeek podcast number 242. And with us today, our writer, 2 Wheeland reporter, Brian Robinson.
1: Hello. Yeah,
0: don't recognize you, Brian, without your two wheels around you. Our over-the-edge reporter, Greg Carlos.
1: Hello,
0: hello. Who we normally see with four wheels around him. (laughs) And it's just the three of us today, so nice and cozy, but we got plenty to talk about. Uh, New vehicles, we'll look at our long-term fleet, we've got a lightning round question, a viewer question from Kathy, and we'll see if the three of us have any rants and raves. Boy, what a fall, and, you know, It looked like earlier in the year that the auto industry might make a pause in some of its new models. But then uh, I've forgotten which car company was saying, hey, you know, once these new models start rolling into the uh, from the design phase into the manufacturing, you really can't uh, stop it. And we're being inundated with new model offerings. And a lot of them are either electric or electrified. And so the first vehicle we're gonna talk about today is BMW's first all electric SUV, the iX. And if there was ever something that looked like it was a true Tesla fighter, and even in some ways in the Tesla mold, I think it's the iX, uh, especially the interior. What do you two think about it? 300 mile range, that seems pretty competitive.
2: It, uh, yeah, it's a striking design on the outside, and it's roughly the dimensions of an X5, but it's not the X5 platform. It's an all new platform, um, which I mean is a huge deal mm-hmm. for uh, BMW. As you mentioned, it's their first all electric SUV, and that is a super hot segment. I mean, SUV, right. gasoline, or EV, I mean, that's what people want. Um, yeah, over 300 miles of range, and that's estimated on the EPA, based on the EPA. Uh, certification process not the european cycle and it will be uh, more in europe right right
1: yeah
0: so yeah
2: um they didn't say battery size yet uh but Mm -hmm. we do know that it'll charge 75 miles so about five to eighty percent in roughly 10 minutes Uh, dc fast charger 500 horsepower and uh should be here in 2022 and uh, this is the production version, it's not even a concept, and it looks pretty darn good.
1: Yeah, it looks legit, certainly will compete with the Etron and the E-Pace and all of those, it's got more uh, more range than the Etron. tron um, I like the looks of it uh, oddly enough, it doesn't look it looks similar to the i3 in some ways, the back of it uh, like it merged with the X5 um, the range is right there with everything else, the interior is pretty spectacular it's got the same yeah. uh, kind of eco-fabric and wood and all sustainably sourced materials like the uh, i3 did. And it looks like there's a ton of space in there, uh, all-wheel drive with the uh, twin motor setup, So it uh, looks like it should be pretty competitive.
2: It still has the Boy, big that
0: kidney drill. Which
1: well, they don't know,
0: really Speaking need. of they that. Don't need.
1: Well, they kind well, of do.
0: but it actually looks good.
1: Well, I'm not sure i will go thick. that far. But yeah they actually incorporated all the sensors and there's a whole like multiple paragraph thing in the press kit about everything they integrated into Mm -hmm. the grills just because they knew everyone would be like well why did you have the grills on there but uh, it's a bmw
0: well well, we've seen that that new upright in-your-face twin kidney grill on a couple of models now, and we haven't really particularly cared for it. But I don't know what they did on the iX. It actually looks like, I don't know if it belongs there or more fitting, maybe wow. because it's an SUV. But that interior with those twin screens almost all the way across the uh, instrument cluster, yet yeah, still looking expensive, something I don't think, you know, the, uh, the minimalist uh, – idea and the tesla and nestle does like you said it's pretty spectacular so
1: what
0: it, what about the interior for you brian you're usually a contrarian
1: oh i'm like wow okay you're gonna label me all yeah, right you I are i know we we're using labels but not i'm the one with, <laughs> well if it fits i love the interior of it um i love the i love the i3 the way they had all those fabrics and i think bamboo yeah. they had in there I'm not sure how far they'll go with that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's got one-piece seats, which is new for BMW, yeah. no headrest, And you can integrate speakers into them. Uh, I'm not sure about the hexagonal steering wheel. I mean, we've got mm. basically that in the new Corvette, and I wasn't a fan of that there either. Yeah. But um, I, I, think it, I think it looks pretty great.
2: Uh, yeah, so I'm looking at the interior right now because I'm trying to describe to just our listeners – it's Yeah, so we should compa- do that
0: because we can forget there's, there's no pictures here.
2: Yeah. This the steering wheel compared to the Corvette Brian, I feel like is a little bit taller. Like the, the Corvette was yeah. like very flattened, which I also didn't like. Uh I think it I think it looks a little bit better here, but I like there's so the center console is like kind of like a floating uh thing that that juts out uh heading toward the center screen, but it actually doesn't connect up to the dash. It doesn't look like which is pretty cool because you can kind of, I mean, you could theoretically just throw something from the driver's side to the passenger side,
0: um, and there's no tunnel to get in the way. And you've got this wide screen, which is actually a flat screen for the instrument cluster and your infotainment screen together in one rectangular piece sitting above, almost like a, 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 a big screen TV sits at home the actual IP and above very clear and and substantial um, vents, which, you know, Tesla has often been criticized because their vents are too small. Uh, You still got iDrive, it looks like, on that console Mm. you were talking about. But I, I think it's a really, it's a nice looking place that you would, it looks futuristic. I don't know what else to say. Except in all the concepts we've seen, this looks like you know what they have been promising, but I, not quite delivered.
2: I feel like we're going Go in reverse of what we were saying a few years ago when we wanted all of our EVs yeah. to look like normal road-going cars that we've seen yeah. for decades. Now we're like, now I want it to be more futuristic again. And I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing because we're seeing with Tesla and uh, now BMW, Audi. They're all kind of pushing the envelope again. And, you know, now I'm back to thinking, yeah, all of our cars should look futuristic.
0: Well, the future is, you know, what what future is now here. But I think clearly they're looking at what the upper crust buyer wants. And they've been buying Teslas and they want a piece of that market. I mean, it's like if you can't fight them, join them.
1: Yeah, I or think you can't the, beat them, Join. I think the BMW, it's, it's futuristic and it's a little bit different, but it's not crazy different. And crazy weird yeah so i mean there's a limit there we want it a little different we just don't want it like unlike anything we've ever seen before which you know if you yeah. want to use that for a transition to the next car that's fine <laughs> I too
0: well that's a that's a that is a great transition so let's uh look at something a little bit more uh normal and frankly a whole lot more probably affordable the 2020 hyundai tucson that was availed uh, just a few days before we uh did this podcast um, my first reaction was bolder, much more interesting looking. I, I imagine it probably drives like a bigger vehicle. It looks like a nice step up, nothing terribly radical, but, uh, lots of different choices of, uh, powertrains, uh, you know, hybrid plug-in. Yeah. So what do you think?
2: It, um, going back to the whole futuristic interior thing, they've kind of gone to the next step again. Um. Mm -hmm. everything on the dash or i'm sorry not the dash the um the console where the touch screen is is all touch i don't see any buttons on there and the new big thing uh, which i meant to mention in the bmw ix is the uh, the whole hoodless gauge cluster design because now screens are getting so good with the tft displays where they don't really glare at all so now you have this really beautiful looking uh, ip uh, which a lot of of car
0: companies are going with now it looks good yeah. it does look to be like there's some manual controls underneath the center stack screen. Go ahead, Brian. I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: No, no, no. I was just, it, it's definitely bigger and they stretched the wheelbase with, which adds a lot of interior space. Uh, definitely needed. Uh, not uh, as much cargo space as like the CRV and RAV though. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's kind of a give and take there, but as far as the looks, I mean, they just tried to out-RAV the RAV, I guess. It looks really, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, it's not the great. It wasn't mean. Greatest, it wasn't the greatest looking vehicle to begin with. It definitely needed an update, uh, but I'm not sure that this was what I had in mind.
0: Well, well, yeah. Let's let's talk about that. I mean, everything's got to have. Seems like this big mean face on it, and it's pretty blunt looking. I mean, it it has a little bit of the uh, of the uh, Palisades features towards the uh, headlights, going to to. Uh, points almost as you wrap around the, the front fascia. But that uh, grill, it's like a one, two, three, four-level grill. It just looks like a battering ram or like you used to see on the front of police cars to push you off the interstates if you got stuck. Uh, it looks pretty brutish.
1: I don't even mind the front so much. It's the side. There's just so many angles going on, and the fender's like bulge way out. There's like fake rivets or some yep. kind of machine looking things in the fender's. I don't know. It just, it looks like a little mud for it, me.
0: It looks like the old style 1930s fender flares that come back from the wheel well arches towards the center of the door, but in front. And then, like you said, these really, you know, almost like, um, what do you call it when you, you, anyway, bulging rear fenders that that look just strange. And, and, and it's got to take some interior room, you would think. So and definitely we're done for style. Yeah. People have the, to – I think it's going to be a very polarizing-looking vehicle.
2: Yeah, before we beat it to death, I was just going to say the, uh, the power <laughs> no, change. No, I you,
0: don't think we're beating it to death. It's different. No, well, yeah, Go I ahead.
2: mean – Something less subjective, I guess, is what I'm going for, is the powertrains. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they have the 2.5 liter, which I assume would be the standard. Uh, and then you have the yeah. 1.6 turbo, uh, which will actually be um, – I think they have two versions of it. One will be a high output for the uh, plug-in hybrid version, uh, which will get 28 miles of EV range with a bigger battery, uh, but just the regular hybrid, mm-hmm. uh, no plug-in. Uh, 226 total horsepower, and they're saying 500 miles of total range. Which I mean, again, you're not going to be getting EV range because this is just the standard yeah. hybrid. Um, but you know, again, uh, being able to offer multiple powertrains uh, is always a good thing.
1: Yeah, you know, I competitive think um, with the rest of the segment, um, but of all segments, I think this one is the one they needed to try the hardest in. Like uh, almost every segment, Hyundai's very competitive in. Uh, This one, the Tucson is just not there with the RAV and the CRV. but hopefully this will change it. I know all that space inside will help a lot.
0: Well, you know, this has basically been the bottom of their line, and it drove like it barely had a suspension on it, and then they redid it and got better. And, you know, as we've watched Hyundai products – Uh, They keep consistently improving, so I I think you're right. I mean, we haven't had a chance to drive it yet, of course, but it's probably going to turn out to be much more than just a one-step-up, but probably a couple. Uh, We'll see. Very interesting vehicle. And like we said, they keep on coming. Let's take something we don't do very often on the podcast, and we're going to kind of pause from stuff that's so new we've barely even seen it, uh, to our long-term vehicles which uh, we use every day for crew and on the weekends for our personal use let's start with uh over at on the uh, kia side of the hyundai kia relationship the kia seltos it's uh, actually our newest long-termer um been a surprising vehicle i think in some ways what do you guys do think i've had it
2: for about two weeks now i've been driving it a lot so i've gotten mm-hmm. used to it and i um and it took some getting used to, especially with the powertrain, because the engine we have the one point six turbo uh, with a seven speed dual clutch. The engine is willing. I mean, that thing gets up and goes. Uh, as my dog walks in behind frame, yeah. Uh, it's it's the it's the transmission that kind of gets a little bit tripped up sometimes. It seemed like when you're coming, uh, when you're slowing down and then have to pick back speed back up again. Sometimes it just doesn't quite engage. Um, and it's more often that it's fine than it isn't, but I do, I do think it is something to note. Uh, and fuel economy right now, as of our last test, was 28 miles per gallon, which is pretty good. I don't think it's great, but it's, it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I, I spent a couple of weeks on it a while back. Uh, it's pretty roomy in there for the exterior size, I thought. Um, and it drives pretty decent for a small, uh, for a small utility.
2: Yeah, I fit a yeah. whole bathroom vanity in
0: there, so. That <laughs> says a lot. A double sinker?
2: No, nah, just a single 24 oh, Just incher. a single, okay. Yeah.
0: The other small utility that we've had in our fleet for quite a while now, which has always surprised me on how well it drives on the highway, is the 2020 uh, Fiat 500X. Uh, a lot of people, you know, this is actually was Fiat's very first SUV and i know i walked up to it thinking well it's you know what what do we have here and i came away very impressed that despite sort of looking semi-rugged that it drove really like a nice small european uh tuned sedan and found it quite pleasurable on on long trips i haven't driven it in a few weeks but um, overall, very big surprise and uh, and very different from its counterpart over at Jeep. I think. What about
1: you? Uh, yeah, I've spent a lot of time in that one lately. Uh, I go back and forth on it. Uh, I kind of don't want to like it, but the more time I spend in it, I do like it. If that makes any sense. Uh, it actually sure. does. It actually does drive really nice, and it's yeah. that, that bright blue color, and it's got the, the dashes dash body color that bright blue. It's Just kind of a happy car it just kind of makes you happy when you drive it that's that's a good way to put it only the only frustrating thing is the the throttle sometimes <laughs> with that little turbo it's like an on off switch sometimes it's sometimes it mm. you know it gives you a little more than what you're expecting which is not always a bad thing but yeah, it's I, I like it I, Do you think I there, exactly,
2: Greg? yeah I know exactly what Robinson's talking about it's um I mean I think we both have Similar personalities. We're not very loud people, but the car kind of is, and it, it's almost—it's not quite a look at me vehicle, but it has that like Fiat personality where it yeah. is about style. Um, and every time I get into it, I'm surprised that I expect to not like it, and then I end up liking it by the time I get out.
0: The uh, the third vehicle we're going to mention, and actually we're going to do go through our whole fleet here: Hyundai Palisade. Um, a surprise, not so much of a surprise hit for Hyundai, but I would say the Hyundai Palisade, along with the Telluride IKEA, has certainly brought those two brands as serious players in the large uh, SUV ranks. I've driven the uh, Palisade uh, mostly, 25 plus miles per gallon, very comfortable, interesting interior. It looks quite luxurious for a Hyundai, and actually I had... Number of questions about whether we thought that upscale look that we've seen both in the Palisade and in the telluride is going to spread out to the rest of the vehicles. And I think from that from the seltos and also from the Tucson, we can say it probably it is to some degree very comfortable for long trips. The seats, though are when you get in them, you really don't think they're gonna be comfortable. They look comfortable, but they're really quite hard. But it's hard in the European vein, and you end up basically saying after Six hours there, they're quite, you know, uh, you you don't, you're not tired when you get out. Great uh, powertrain as far as acceleration, big in the back, seats fold flat. Really, looking at it versus Highlander and Pilot, uh, it's a 100% uh, competitive vehicle. And I know most of you folks and a lot of other journalists seem to prefer prefer the U.S. made Telluride to the imported uh, Palisade. But that, I guess, saying back and forth between the two of them, I really don't see that much difference in ride handling or anything else. Although I think the Telluride is probably selling a, a little better, although I'm not sure of that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Anything I haven't of them? them? Yeah, so I, haven't, yeah. I don't have anything to add. But I, I do know I've seen a lot of Palisades around. They must be selling yeah. like crazy. More than I would have expected.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't go anywhere without one of them passing him. Either that or a Telluride. Um, another one, though, that's in our fleet that I think we'd have to all agree has been a very pleasant surprise, the 2019 Mitsubishi Outlander uh, PHEV. It's plug-in hybrid. Uh, again, that you talk about, Brian, not wanting necessarily to like the 500X. That was kind of the way I approached the Outlander, thinking – you know, it's overall kind of an old design and the interior looked at, but wow, what a nice vehicle. What a, what a really impressive vehicle to drive.
1: Yeah, I absolutely enjoy driving it. I mean, I haven't been mm-hmm. in a while. One of our staff members has been living in that thing since March, I think. <laughs> uh, so he's definitely sheltering in place with that one. Uh, uh, I, it's impressive to drive just all the power between the all-wheel drive electric and gas engine. It's super fast, and it's fun to drive, um, but on that same note, I don't think you get the mileage that you should be getting out of it, perhaps. Uh, maybe that's just the way of driving, and maybe that's a lot of our staff that don't plug it in as regularly as they could, but I think yeah. our fuel economy numbers are, uh, could be a lot better, and I would like it more.
0: I mean if you had it every day as a as a commuting vehicle, you really would beho- be behoven to um plug it in every night and get that what is it fourteen miles worth of uh e v every day out of it any comment greg uh I agree on all counts it you know people like
2: to kind of shame mitsubishi and and they just assume it's a bad vehicle, but it really it really isn't um no. it's it's comfortable first and foremost, which hey, <laughs> I did not expect at all. Uh, to the point of fuel economy, I feel like I do end up stopping more to fill up because it's not a necessarily big tank and it'll go through it pretty quickly. Um, yeah. But again, if, if you're into short commutes, uh, grocery store runs, taking kids to practices or lessons, uh, I mean, the 14 miles of range is a big help.
0: You know, most people only commute about 20 miles a day, so really, they can cut your fuel economy costs down by, you know, roughly a third. Um, now that you know, everybody sort of, ex- including myself, expected maybe Mitsubishi might disappear, but now that they're basically in the alliance with Nissan and Renault, they're here to stay, and they're introducing uh, new vehicles. So, uh, a good, I think the, I think this has vehicle has kept them relevant and it's a a good base for them to build on. And it's been a very very good serving long-term vehicle for us done a lot of uh, trips with the crews. Okay, let's move on from uh, individual vehicles to our lightning round, and uh, to see what we think about uh, this uh, particular topic that our producer Greg Carlos has picked out. A recent study by iccars.com. Don't you love some of these websites? Uh, compared used car prices in October of 2019 to sales in October of 2020, and found that buyers paid on average 9.5% more this year than they did last year. The BMW 5 Series showed the biggest average increase in price, but the top 10 is dominated by, guess what, pickup trucks and even a few sports cars. What does this say about the state of the used car market, besides the fact it's pretty hot? It, I mean, I didn't. I don't think we expected the
2: uh, pandemic to affect the used car market too much. Because if anything, there are going to be more used cars available. I think the issue with the with the pickup trucks is what they said was a lot of them had to shut down production, so there was really an inventory problem with new pickups. Mm-hmm. So people who needed one went to the used car market. And they're like, hey, we got them. You're going to have to pay for them. So that, I mean, I, th- I think used car prices have gone up anyway. So that wasn't necessarily pandemic related. But I do think some of it should be attributed to uh, the COVID situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's all about the supply. Uh, even still, new cars are in short supply at some dealers. Uh, just had a Porsche dealer mm-hmm. last week. and They literally have like six cars. They, have, they can't get anything from, uh, from Germany yet since the pandemic started. So, uh, things are definitely, you know, as far as the sports cars, things are definitely in short supply. But I believe our local guy down the road from me, he's always had like 30, 40 cars on his lot. He's got maybe 12, 15 now. And they're in and out constantly. I mean, people are buying used cars like crazy right now.
2: So, I wasn't, I mean, it was kind of a long question or topic anyway, but there was a lot of interesting things like convertibles
1: are also way up. People are buying. I was going to mention
0: that. It's like people have got the money. They want to buy something. They're home. They're buying something fun. And all of a sudden, can, you're seeing a lot more convertibles, you know, tops down on 50-degree days with the heater blowing. And I, I think that's also has something to do with the sports cars. And, you know, the 5 Series historically has not maintained its value that terribly well. And the fact that it's up so much, again, and it's a wonderful car, says something about maybe people are also making some purchases that are a little more passion oriented than, than they would in normal times. I don't know. Well, it's also, I
2: mean, it's a sedan too. And we've said for how yeah. many years now people aren't buying sedans. Well, apparently they're buying used BMW five series.
0: And I don't blame them. It's probably one of the, I mean, every time we've had one of the last couple of generations and we've just raved and said it, It's almost the perfect automobile, so very interesting. Okay, we've got a viewer question from Kathy and you talk about subjective. This is about a very subjective area. Since uh, we see all makes of cars, she asked, which cars have the most comfortable driver's seat? Now, comfort is different things to different people because she goes on to say, consumer reports, It looks like luxury cars, in their opinion, have the softest seats, but they don't necessarily want to have to buy a luxury car. So in non-luxury vehicles, would we steer them anyway, should we, or what should they be looking for?
1: Um, I don't know if you consider Volvo a luxury brand, but hands down, Volvo has the best seats Across the board of any manufacturer. Do you do
2: you, do you uh, think? And I'm I'm gonna give mine, but I have a question for Robinson. Do you think it's when they're higher end seats where you have like 13 different ways you can adjust no, it, or I, just
1: their base seats? I think pretty much across the board.
2: I see. I think uh, I think Nissan, the, their their base seats are probably the most comfortable for me.
1: Yeah, they you are know, the zero gravity ones uh, with uh, you know yeah. aerospace engineering. <laughs>
0: The, uh, the, the seat thing to me, and to most people really extend to your body fitting the types of variable density foams that some engineer after a long drive has decided is best. And yes, I know they use computer programs and everything else. but they still do these seat of the pants test and with all different body types trying to figure out what the best compromise is. I just I mentioned that palisade, which when I first got in it, I didn't think the seats were going to be very comfortable at all, but on a long trip, because of the support and the firmness, you get out feeling terrific. Kathy, I hate to tell you this, but I don't think there's a. I think the Volvo is an interesting answer. I think Nissan definitely has terrific base seats, but you're really going to have to spend time in some of these vehicles, maybe go rent one, uh, to figure out whether or not the seat is truly comfortable because it's a very inexact science is as far as i know Uh, would would you two would disagree with that
1: no i would absolutely agree there's definitely a difference between short distance comfort and long range comfort Mm -hmm. some of those seats like uh i'm gonna say gm like in the cadillacs and stuff like that you sit in them they're super comfortable when you sit in them but then after an hour or two you're like why am i so uncomfortable this seat it felt so comfortable a while ago but they're just so soft and there's not a lot of firmness there to really support you over long drives so it's definitely a different whatever you do most driving uh obviously it will depend what works best for you but there is definitely a difference
0: i think that's actually very good advice if you're if you're doing short trips maybe softness is what you're looking for but long trips softness will hurt you yeah all right uh any uh, rant and raves this week uh anything uh you've noticed uh new where people are being either pleasant or stupid out on the road or anything else no uh, i'm fresh out this week
1: Feeling you know, pretty good I,
2: about
0: it. It, it, the only thing i noticed recently was there seems to be a lot more um video game driving uh, it's like people are tired of being cooped up and when they do get in their cars uh, if, especially if they've got, you know, moderate traffic. They're just zipping in and out. To, to It's almost like they're looking for a release from their frustration from being uh, homebound and doing just nutty, nutty things. I mean, I've just, it seems to be worse than usual. I guess my only advice is if you're tired of being cooped up, be careful when you get behind the steering wheel. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I think that brings to an end, though, our MotorWeek podcast, 242 of them under the belt. Brian Robinson and Greg Carlos, thank you both very much for being uh, with us. And to all of you out there, be sure to check our MotorWeek.org uh, website uh, and pull down up from the top. Uh, the stations in your area that carry MotorWeek Public TV needs your support, and uh, we're very proud to be a, a PBS uh, program. And we're also over on the Motor Trend Cable Network. They do a great job. You can check us out there. Our YouTube slash MotorWeek website has all of our latest tests on it. Basically, if you've got a screen, you can watch MotorWeek. And we thank you very much for being a part of our podcast. And as we always like to end these podcasts, thanks very much for being a part of the show. But we want to thank our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who always makes us sound better than we probably should. Uh, Greg's our producer, and our podcast creator, uh, Bob Mixter, back at uh, at MPT. For all of us at MotorWeek, we'll see you soon, and thanks for being a part of MotorWeek. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by rockauto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org and watch Motor Week, television's longest running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.